Hi everybody, it's Andy here and uh, we've got uh, John, Rich and Raya with us. Uh, guys, brilliant to see you everybody. And this is of course the Atheism UK podcast and today we're going to be talking about religious misogyny. Well, who wants to start with this? Because well, it's a massive, 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 massive yeah. uh, subject. So, you know, let's, let's, who wants to start? I'd like to come in there because... Go, John. I want, to, I want to say, first of all, that not all misogyny is related to religion. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've, the news is red hot at the moment about this uh, horrific Sarah Everard kidnapping, rape, murder... And Wayne Cousins has just been given a life sentence. He's not going to be allowed out ever again. Yeah, and, whole life terrorist. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that doesn't appear to have any religious connection. He's just a nutcase. Yeah. So I, I don't, don't know whether you've got anything to say to that, Rich, coming from your position as a police. No, lecturer. I mean, I have was to say, he a was a very a very bad one who had a, a bit of a poor reputation. Um, within the organisation and um, probably should have been gotten rid of a long time ago. Um, But that is, you know, one of the problems when you have an organisation that is male-dominated and, you know, the police is a male-dominated organisation. As I said before, I maybe should have looked this up before I came came along, but, um, you know, it's still two-thirds male, at least the number of the number of women officers that we've got coming on board is increasing. Mm. Um, but um, I could tell you tales from former female colleagues of horrendous treatment that they had during their early days. Yeah. Um, I think poor treatment of say female officers is less prevalent now overall. Uh, and especially a lot of my female officers would f- friends wouldn't tolerate that sort of behavior today. Good. Yeah. Um, but there are still pockets. There are still issues around it when you have something that's really male dominated. Well, and, and, and before we do carry on, I think I think it might be a good idea to actually introduce Naraya to uh, everybody, uh, a new face on our podcast. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, welcome, Naraya. It's great to have you here with us. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. I'm honoured to be here. Yeah, Naraya exploded onto the. <laughs> Uh, humanist field with her own channel, Holy Humanist, only a few months ago. But, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's true. It was almost by accident, if you will. I just kind of was making videos on topics that really resonated with me as I was like deconverting from, you know, Islam and just things I had thought about um, thinking, you know, I, I have anyone else had this thought about, you know, slavery or, or the whitewashing of history? And it kind of just blew up from there. But yeah, so I've just recently kind of started my activism. And I think this topic today, misogyny, um, in religion as well, and even you know outside of religion, as we're talking about now, it's so it's it's just such a hot and it's it's always a current topic. So yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, thank you all. And, all, and almost as importantly, she is a fellow tea drinker. So um, <laughs> precisely, exactly. Which, uh, as I say, is mandatory on this, apart from um, John, who's <laughs> still recovering from the Rona. I've got <laughs> medical release. <laughs> yeah, just just a thick note. Yes, <laughs> he's also unfortunately for you, Andy. She's also a big cricket fan. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I've never really been into cricket. 
Yeah, yeah no, I do. I do kind of go off on, on one sometimes oh. and talk about cricket too much. But yeah, sorry, you were saying, Rich. <laughs> so, well, so, so, Naraya, then from from your background, then you said so you've um, you, you've deconverted recent, really fairly recently, I think, from from Islam. What were what were your sort of key experiences um, that informed that deconversion? Um, around around the issues of misogyny that you'd you'd encountered. Um, yeah, that that's a great question because to be honest, my entire um, like research and kind of deep dive into Islam and the scriptures and what it said about women um, came directly because of an a personal experience I had where they kind of put this old Sharia law on me, which essentially would kind of force me back to an abusive partner's household where I couldn't leave without his actual um, given permission. Uh, even though I was staying with my dad at the time. So even according to Islam, I thought I was protected in that, you know, you can either be under your husband's roof or your father's roof. Um, but again, even that wasn't protection enough for me. They really tried to kind of press down with this law and say that you're your husband's property. So unless he kind of frees you or gives you the divorce, according to Islamic um, the narrative, then you're essentially still under his um, rule and and that all st- and so I at this point was a believing Muslim and I never I thought this was just men kind of um, distorting scripture and what was the eternal perfect word of God um, so I, I still kind of believed with all my heart and I just thought okay this is just men doing what they do abusing their power it was it was from the police level up until um, the court districts and the family kind of counselling people in between were all men as well, all Emirati men as well in the UAE. So there was a huge emphasis of religion within that process. And um, they just don't understand similar like concepts that, you know, we take seriously in the West here, like kind of mental health and abuse and harassment and stalking. So again, I, I didn't put this down to anything to do with religion um, until I wanted to defend my own personal situation and what had happened to me. So I thought if I didn't encounter someone in the UK who would kind of have the audacity to say, oh, but that's just what happens to Muslim women. That's what Islam propagates and allows to happen. Um, I was able to say, no, actually, of course, like the God I believe in would never sanction that treatment against me or allow a framework for me to be in that kind of situation. And then lo and behold, when I started this kind of defensive journey looking into it I I started to read the Quran again in English um, with all the different translations that were available uh, online um, and I looked and then I, I it was immediate to me like because I, I wasn't looking at it with the same kind of awe factor that I had been looking into it all those years previously I actually read it for what it was and having done like a law uh, degree as well I kind of was scrutinizing it from a legal standpoint and I was just absolutely uh, stumped with the treatment and status of women we're actually you know it's we're starting off on on such a um, uh, such a kind of subjugated footing from men there there's women are inferior to men men have a right over women uh, men have the right to discipline women so actual domestic abuse is codified within the Quran yeah. itself um, women inherit half of what a man inherits a woman's testimony is half uh, that of a man's, lest we forget, because Islam has this concept where women are stupid and they're deficient in intelligent and uh, intelligence and religion. And um, there's, you know, even further back in the other scriptures where we kind of derive the sources and more of the source material from Islam in terms of the prophet's life. He's likened us to kind of donkeys and dogs and chattel and um, kind of grouped you in with that and said that the way you discipline women is the same way you discipline your domestic animals, the way you trade sex slaves is the way you trade, you know, camels and horses. 
Um, and I just couldn't, you know, look past this anymore. It just obviously did not sit right with me. Um, the fact that, you know, the framework in the Quran is also there for, there's a, there's a line that says, uh, it's considering marriage and it says to those who have menstruated and those who have not yet menstruated. And it just kind of, I put two and two together and thought, you know, this explains so much about why in the Muslim world, we see these, you know, these much older men and especially Islamic clerics marrying these young girls and taking child brides. And whereas I was spending my whole life defending the fact that Islam is, you know, the most feminist religion and that the prophet stopped female infanticide and he freed slaves, the actual source material that I was reading completely said otherwise and that for me like the starting point of women was enough for me as a woman to be really really repulsed and put off by the ideology and then you know came the violence and just all the the, the scientific errors and the historiographical errors and you know all of that theological bit but I mean just it, the Quran itself had enough misogyny that's enough for a woman to read and kind of say yeah. this there's nothing in this for me no why would anyone female want to join that there's obviously a, uh, a a disconnect between what a Muslim woman thinks in an everyday world and you know the the world that they're in and the actual writing in the Quran. There's a there is a disconnect there, and I, I and yeah, I think from our outside point of view, it's it, it's a bit. It just seems so bizarre. I mean, the same sort of things are going on in the Bible, and uh, I mean, it starts right in Genesis. You know, where, where you know um, uh, women are uh, straight away subservient. You know, is uh, in Genesis um, uh, where Eve was brought as a helper. Yeah, the helpmate. The helpmate. You know, yeah. I mean, it starts right at the beginning of the Bible. You know, just the, yeah. this this. Women are second-class citizens, you know, uh, and it goes throughout the Bible um, as it does in the Quran. Because I've read some of the some of the Quran, I haven't read it all um, cover to cover. But you, lucky you. See, you. <laughs> but, see, the thing is, I enjoy the, those sort of things. I, I, I love sort of ancient writings, and I love the um, a lot of the sort of uh, uh, I don't know, just the background and how how psychologically it's all put together and things like that. But um, to, to when you start reading these things, a lot of people sort of cherry pick stuff, you know, both sides sort of cherry pick things. But when you actually start reading these, you know, the Quran Hadiths and that sort of thing, you, you it sort of does blow your mind a little bit that mm. they're actually written this down. And it's not just misogyny, but it's like lots of other things, you know. Well, I, I mean, at the end, of, at, at, when, when they wrote it down, that was acceptable. That's yeah. the thing. They had no idea that in 100, 200 years' time, or um, or fourteen hundred years time, um, that 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 would not actually be socially acceptable. Hmm. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that they wrote it down because that's what they actually thought. That's what they wow. actually believed. And One especially, thing actually, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. You please. Uh, in the Islamic tradition, for example, that you know they would lo love to rely on the fact that that what if you do pick up a source that's t actually terrible, what's written in it, for example, um, like you know just uh, one of the prophet's wives. Um, 
uh, fellow women coming to the Prophet complaining about being beaten so badly that she's, you know, her her face and her body is greener than the shawl she had wrapped. And then some of the Muslim apologists kind of say that, you know, these are weak traditions. But there was in the in terms of the Hadith tradition, there was about I mean, thousands that were cut out, and these were the ones that are left. And this is coming from your own people, and it's this dark. And this, uh, this was chosen by their own kind of Muslim community to be kept as the text. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, it's a weird concept for them to even, in, in Islam, there was two things that were lost, but one of the, so the, there's a verse in the Quran for suckling an adult to, to be in the presence of somebody of the opposite gender. And apparently it was eaten by a tame goat. It was under the, the pillow of one of the prophet's wives. And yeah, I mean, thank like heavens it was eaten or lost mm-hmm. or whatever. But then also the verse for stoning of adulterers, um, but you know, they, they still enforce that in like the extreme um, mm. groups when they carry out those punishments. But yeah, it, it's mm. interesting to see that even from the source material they've decided to keep, um, it's it's so embarrassing. It's absolutely it embarrassing, embarrassing even for them. And, so, and, 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 and that happens, uh, I was going to say, and that's happened in, in Christian traditions as well. I mean, one of the things that I've learned over the years is the fact that half of the epistles from Paul, um, especially the incredibly misogynistic ones, we actually now know are actually forgeries, but they were chosen by the various councils that put the Bible together because uh, presumably that's how they wanted to, they wanted to control women. So even though that these, these letters we now know were not written by Paul, um, some of the Pauline epistles are incredibly misogynistic, incredibly patriarchal, um, weren't written at the time by that person, but were written for a purpose and a political purpose to keep women down. Yes. And they were selected and put into the Bible for the express intent to put and keep women down. Hmm. So, you know, so many parallels between, between the various religions. It's actually. All the religions were, it seems to me, were made by men for men. Indeed. at the yeah. time, they had the control being bigger and stronger. But mm. do I gather from what you said, Naria, that you've got some personal experience here? Because you mentioned either being under the care of your father or your husband. Did, were you in a marriage that you find, found abusive? Were you having? Were you forced into a, a marriage unwillingly? Did you find it difficult to get out? Or is yes. that not? No, so so you are right. I mean, I wasn't forced per se. It was it was kind of done on my own accord, but it unraveled really quickly. Like the 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 person, I mean, who he was, just it, the character, his character completely changed after the honeymoon. So there were certain mental health issues that were kind of just uh, kind of kept under the carpet, and they really manifested themselves um, afterwards. So it was more the struggle to get out basically because I was living in the UAE which is obviously governed by Sharia and if you're even if you don't really believe even though I did at the time if, um, in Islam or just by default by virtue of what your name is you know Sharia law will be applied to you if they assume you're you're, you're Muslim or your father's Muslim um, and again this is how deep rooted and deep seated this misogyny goes for example in Islam as a woman I essentially was just um, basically under my father's care up until the point where you're married and then you're kind of transferred to your husband's care so um oh yeah pretty much this is why i i always bang on about the fact that i think in islam uh, a woman at best and i and i think this is probably true for 
like lots of the other religions as well, you are property. Um, I mean, in Islam, it's it's so bad in the sense that, you know, you you never have agency for yourself. You're either under your father's brothers, even your grandfather's, if you don't have, you know, if your father's passed away and you're, you don't have a brother. If your grandfather's no longer around, it would be the first closest uncle paternally, not even yes. maternally, paternally. And I mean, there's never a time where you're just in control of yourself, even after 18, let's say. And this kind of manifests itself in, in countries like Saudi Arabia, which still has the like male guardianship it's called the Wali yes. system, where up until last year, Saudi women weren't even allowed to travel abroad alone. Um, you need written permission. You need a non-objection yes. certificate from a male person in your family. And um, so the same thing happened with me, it, it, it basically, because I wanted to make my own decision and remove myself from the situation, they use this ancient Sharia law, which says that a woman should be devoutly obedient. And if you fear disobedience from a woman, then you can take action upon that. So they've kind of used those Quranic verses to strip away my, um, you know, my my actual agency. And I, because I'd kind of grown up in, in England and stuff, my brain couldn't fathom the fact that a judge could actually send me back to a situation where I'm telling him I fear for my life. Um, you know, there's financial abuse. I have no decisions. I have no agency. There's mental health. I'm being stalked, harassed. None of those things mattered except for the fact that he hasn't pronounced those three words in Arabic. So you're effectively not divorced Islamically. And then they put you through this whole um, in like rigorous process of family counseling where they actually ask you questions about um, you know, how pious are you and your partner? How many times a day do you pray? And I was trying to get out of this, but again, because it, it's very male dominant, there, there was no women in this entire process, you know, from yeah. like the police that tried to force me to go back. I was just constantly dealing with Islam. There's a big concept when you're trying to get a woman, you have four police men come in. And I realized in the UAE, there are certain procedures where as a woman, I'm not obliged to go with them to the station between 6am and 6pm unless there's a female officer present. And I knew these things. And I also said, if you're going to do anything or take me anywhere, I need to be in touch with the British embassy. Because again, in those countries, you can become like a number just lost in their system because they have the right to detain you indefinitely for, for months on end without, you know, charging you and, and whatnot. And obviously, if I was being held against my will, I would want um, some some help on from from somebody who understands that this concept is it's just it's ridiculous. Um, yes. and, Absolutely and, ludicrous. It's a bit like being although you're an adult, it's a bit like being a perpetual child who needs some other male adult to be responsible for you. It's it's you don't have your own identity. It's like being named on somebody else's passport, like you were when you were a baby. And in, some, and in some cases, it's not even a male adult, is it? It's uh, just a male. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it could be, yeah. yeah a quick question, just, yeah. just for you. Um, oh. When you was going through this, um, had, you, had you decided to leave the religion at that point? Um, so while while all of this was happening, again, it was kind of like me versus the UAE legal system. For, and, and I... I kind of believed that it would be impartial per se initially because I was very naive. And then when I saw things transpiring that were just, you know, getting way out of hand and they were actually going to try and they kept asking for my passport and trying to put a travel ban on me. I was so um, immersed in what was happening and trying to get out of the situation. My Again, my entire mindset was that this is men abusing their power um, and they've all kind of just... Um, 
got teamed up together and they want to teach a woman a lesson and kind of send me back. But I always kind of at that point, I had differentiated between my own faith in Islam. So I still had it. It was only until I got out of that situation, came back to the UK, things had calmed down. And I just thought, okay, let me just see how on earth and why the hell that happened to me like how can you justify that and that's when i kind of did, did the deep dive and i thought oh my god you know what actually they're using the quran perfectly they're well within their rights to do that like i i could use that same um verse as a lawyer and and do the same thing to me so that's when i thought you know this this isn't just men abusing their power this is actually it's it's sanctioned oh sorry sorry i don't know what's happening here today um, it's actually sanctioned in the source material itself, the eternal word of God. And that's kind of where all that, I mean, that was enough for me to see. And then it kind of just fell like, like domino bricks. I was like, so I that was, nothing that was to the, do. the catalyst for you to leave the religion because it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sort of trying to get my, my head around how you actually felt in, in that position. I mean, did you feel abandoned and, 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 just literally abandoned by the people that you loved i mean is that how you felt at that time uh when i when i realized that the about the truth about the religion you know, when, or... when you was actually in the uae and in oh. that situation you know, like, you know, like sitting in that police station for instance or yeah know, yeah i mean it was an that. absolute nightmare for for months on end because again they were really really abusing their power so you saw the power dynamic at play i mean i would get calls at 10 p.m really really unprofessional and police officers saying oh Nuria just yeah come to the station and I was like sorry why and they would say um oh well we'll tell you when you get here just bring your passport and it's it's 10 p.m and these are this is also on weekends when they're not supposed to be you know uh calling you out of at these times especially when I kept saying if I was playing along with their system for example if you're saying that I need a male guardian my father who is my male guardian isn't here at the moment so how dare you try and approach me without him being there um so that kind of um kept them at, at bay for a while but then it got a lot and lot more intense and I would have to go down to the station and I would be so respectful as a Muslim believing woman at the time you know I'd go in my abaya I would be very very respectful and they were almost you know I tell them about this this stalking I'd say that I'm getting like threatening notes at my house from random delivery men um, I just I don't feel safe surely I'm an expat in your country you have a duty of care to at least listen to what I'm saying but they would just pass me from officer to officer you know they're kind of of the, yeah. the miswak thing they use they're cleaning right. their teeth they're joking around and it just right. got Where really really yeah yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah it was so, just so demeaning and belittling i had to take my male friends with me sometimes just for them to take yeah. me seriously i would take friends who would speak arabic so they couldn't make me sign documents that i didn't know i was signing yeah. but yeah so to answer your question sorry i did definitely feel very like alone and um just not like it's just kind of played by this dark system so fortunately you had a british passport did, did it was it easy to get out of the uae or was that part of the same story yeah it definitely was part of the same same story and to be honest it was actually my saving grace because um when things got really bad and i was i was worn down to the point where i was like you know what i, I can't keep like I'll just give them what they want if they want my passport sure like this is getting out of control so I went to the station and 
just before I handed it in, I thought, okay, let me, there, there are actually numbers there because there's a lot of British expats who live in the UAE and they have an emergency number for the consulate. And I mean, I'd never really gotten in touch before. I didn't know how effective they were, but I was like, let me just give them a, sh let me just give it a shot because at least then somebody will know that I have been detained or taken by the police or forced in the situation, but at least somebody knows of my whereabouts. So I, I called up that number and, and I don't remember the name or of the person I spoke to, but that person literally saved my life and said, yeah. I explained the whole situation so, and- yeah, he literally said, listen, I can't give you legal advice, but all I'm saying is if you've got your passport in your hand, just come back, come back home to where you have rights, where these charges they're trying to put on you don't even exist as a concept here. But he said, once you hand over your passport, it's them and you know what kind of laws, like what kind of Sharia laws they could put on you and have you there. And we can't interfere in another country's legal system. So if your passport's in your hand, just come back. And I literally just drove straight to the airport, came via Azerbaijan and just back to London. Right then? Yeah. Right, well done. Yes. <laughs> so you're not you're not alone in this because there's been uh, quite a famous case where where Zara Kay, who was born in, let me get this right, I think it's Zambia, not Tanzania, but became she of uh, Muslim parents, but she went to Australia and became an Australian citizen. However, a, a year or so ago, she was home visiting her relatives still in Zambia and uh, I think it was they, Tanzania John actually you were right it, I think yeah, you yeah. Were. and they, they trumped up some charges about something she might have said that was offensive in their view and grabbed her passport and it took her months to get it back and to be able to fly out back to Australia yeah, it's honestly such a tactic in these countries where, you know, it's a travel ban and, and holding your passport so that you are at the mercy of their law uh, yeah. and they have that kind of one up on you. Um, so they, they didn't want to even a couple of times when I did say, like, OK, if you want to, you know, call me down to the station, can we get the British embassy involved? That's when they did back off once or twice um, yeah. because they did. They do really. If you, if you have any Muslim background or heritage or your father, they will. They They think they have the full. Um, right to kind of bring down the, the harshness of Sharia law on you as opposed yeah. to, you know, anything that you're used to. And these are appalling rights, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> a husband is allowed to have four wives, I believe. Yeah. And then, then when he dies, can he expect 72 virgins in paradise? Indeed and, he can, yeah. <laughs> and, and women don't have equality on either of those scores. Nope, and apparently, according to our profit women would be the most and uh women are the the majority in hell so i don't really see it. in this life you suffer and in the next life you're not even guaranteed heaven i don't see what's in paradise in islam for women even no it's not an attractive prospect at all is it so and then, then there's so, this I mean, oh, sorry. dishonor culture this where where a, a woman is victimized because she hasn't met up to the standards that they imagine and and that that can result in well depending where you are in in death yeah exactly especially when family members and and people like that take it upon themselves to kind of you know uh safeguard their family's honor or, or get back or you know save face with their reputation and then you see all these like acid attacks you see you know girls getting killed while they're asleep by their own brothers uh it, yeah. it's it's terrible and that I even said, happens here in the uk well, exactly that happens here where you are, but in fact, mm. as you say, Rich, 
there was a woman set fire to, wasn't there recently? Oh, there's, there, there, there were so many cases, and just yeah. to give you, just to give you some idea, um, back in the day when I was uh, when I was a humble police constable in central London, um, I was working out of uh, Charing Cross Police Station. If anybody knows it, yeah, and I would regularly, when I was working in the front office. I was regularly getting young Muslim girls coming into the front office because they've managed to get away for the day mm. uh, and come into town mm. to do some shopping or whatever because um, they didn't want to go to their local police station, but they came yeah. into Charing Cross right in the centre of London because it was nowhere near their local their, their local community Anonymous. to report to report the the fact that they feared they were about to be um, forced into a marriage. Uh, to be shipped off to another country to be married or or, or, or were facing um, these terrible situations. And, um, and I would obviously take the initial report from that, but we actually had a, we had a, we had a unit at Charing Cross that dealt with obviously domestic issues and they were, they would regularly get people coming because we were a central London police station. We did have a residential population, but it was away from the local area, um, and they, th- these young girls could get away and report these threats to their safety. That's how um, real the fear is, you know, even within, like, your area and your community and this internal policing where yeah. kind of everybody is kind of looking out for this vice and virtue thing, That's- if you will. But but that, that even when I um, – I think it's such, such a it, – it's – it's so um, apparent in societies, especially like, you know, Muslim people from Muslim backgrounds, so even me just being a British Pakistani, that I remember the first time I was getting on a flight from university just to visit my parents back in the UAE, uh, the, the airport immigration actually asked me if I was being forced into a marriage or if I was being, you know, sent somewhere. And I, of course, I wasn't, but I was like, I was so grateful um, at the fact that somebody, I mean, you know, some people would say, oh, well, look, you're just being stopped because of the way you look or whatever in that sense. But I would much rather that, um, you know, if sometimes sometimes that's that's a woman's last point of call is the airport. And, mm, you know, yeah. sometimes you, even when I started talking about Islam initially and they said if things get really bad security wise, you know, there are things you do in an airport to alert officials that you're in trouble or you're being forced somewhere or, you know, that putting a metal spoon down your pants or something to set off the alarm or have a touch point. So I think even even having these um, police stations, like you said, which are more centralized and away from even somebody following them there or somebody finding out or even somebody maybe within that police station who sympathizes with the family's views um, and might, you know, uh, tell or grasp them out or, or get rid of their chances of speaking to an, you know, impartial officer who can actually help them. Uh, yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that's amazing that, that, that exists. Yeah. These touch points are so crucial. Well, yeah. one question, one of the things that we often see on British television um, is there'll be a discussion, you know, like Sunday morning on TV, and it'll be a it'll be something about religion or or something like that. And you'll always get it just continue that, Andy. Those and other programs, those sort of programs, you know, yeah. these debate programs. Um, and when it's when it's about sort of religion or it's about Islam or it's about whatever those sort of things, you'll always get uh, one woman who's normally quite young, um, that's pretty covered. Uh, maybe just a scarf for the TV, I don't know. But they always say that Sharia law is not that bad, yeah. that uh, women are treated 
absolutely perfectly within the religion, mm. almost like it's a bit of propaganda. Why do you think that that actually happens, that you get women within the faith that will go on TV and say, this is it's absolutely fine, everything's absolutely fine and rosy, it's a religion of peace, it's lovely, women are treated fantastically. Why do you think that happens when the reality of it is, and we know, both me and John have worked in international atheist organisations, we've seen a lot of this stuff happening, um, which has been pretty horrific. Why do you think that those those women sit there and do that? Are they just misguided? Do they not see it? Or is it just something they think they have to say what, what is I that think I think it's a bit of both to be honest I honestly think it's twofold like what you're saying I, I think so for example even in my situation I was happy in in my bubble of being a progressive what I thought was a progressive modern Muslim woman and um, for all intents and purposes while I did live in the UK and I was you know going to school and we had RE I, I, I wore the hijab at nine years old and I would propagate this idea that you know Islam is is a peaceful religion and um, I would demonstrate to the class like how to pray and things like that because the version that I was fed of Islam in the Quran um, classes I would go to in the local mosque every day after school was a heavily heavily sanitized version of Islam so I did truly believe like that the prophet you know stopped female infanticide and he fought for women's rights and one of the last things he said in his final sermons was treat women well and I had no alternative to go by then I come home and I'm seeing the same things being reinforced on you know the, the Islamic channels we have in the UK Islam TV peace TV all these things um and so that that's one thing that you do on sometimes they actually do genuinely believe that it's not that yeah. bad because they are sitting in the safety and their cushy life in the west whereas mm. you know if as soon as you turn the lens onto the plight of women in muslim majority countries i mean it speaks for itself the ground reality is what's happening right now to women in afghanistan mm. uh women in egypt women in saudi pakistan even it's it's that in itself is Sharia manifesting in all of its ugly forms, uh, yeah. whether you consider those countries Muslim, uh, Islamic or not. So, yeah, I think, and the other reason is if you are that heavily brainwashed by this, because you are from from the, the minute you're born, like the first thing you hear in your um, ear is the call to prayer is recited, you know, and the Islamic concept is your whole life is between that call to prayer in your ear and then your funeral prayer being read. Um, and so you you have to internalize and rationalize the fact that Islam puts you on a pedestal and treats you with respect. And um, living in the West, it's really easy to claim that because if you're fed that sanitized version and then nobody's forcing you to wear hijab, but you have the option to, like I did, you think everything's rosy and you're just manifesting, you know, your identity in this beautiful religion. Um, it's And for example, when I moved to Saudi Arabia, that that covering up was mandatory on me. And I was like, oh, hold on. Maybe I don't like, why is it imposed? And that's when I kind of started backtracking from religion, um, ironically, because that's where the holy cities are. But yeah, it's really, really simple. And I think it's very disingenuous. And um, it's it's just, it's it's being a little bit in denial sitting in the West and saying that Sharia protects and, protects and gives women rights because you only have to go to the Quran itself. Like there's people who have contention with the Hadith, but you only have to go to the Quran itself, which is where Sharia is ultimately derived from to see that, you know, it, it's it, there's nothing in this for women that is good that you can actually... Um, propagate but in the west it's easy to as well because again in the uk we're so scared of you know being labeled as bigoted or racist or islamophobic that when these women are saying this there's not really anyone else to give them a counter narrative and challenge their their point yeah well from our point one of the reasons question is it looks 
as though they are anti-feminist women. It looks like a shot in the foot because they are submitting willingly to these atrocious attitudes. I've actually got a a clip of uh, an interview on some other television. It says, the Quran tells men they have authority over women who must be devoutly submissive. And this woman speaks in favor of being beaten by her husband. I'm going to show this clip in this week's Global Atheist News for anyone who's interested. Okay. One of the other things I think, a really, really interesting point that you brought up there, and it is something, and I'm going to be honest here, it does make me nervous as a male, white, um, atheist uh, Brit. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes feel very nervous talking about this particular subject, especially with respect to Islam, for that reason that you just pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent my entire life being an anti-racist. I, I, I condemn racism I condemn intolerance. In fact, I even condemn intolerance against minority religions, mm-hmm. per se. My, my, my pursuit as an atheist is um, an intellectual and social justice one. Um, and I find it really, really difficult to talk about this particular issue, which is why I am so glad that you've been able to join us today and talk to us about this. Um, how do how can somebody like myself who is um dedicated to anti-racism is dedicated to gender equality and um and equality in all forms how should somebody like me go about that because i i I don't i don't want to risk being accused of being racist i don't want to risk being accused of homophobia because uh, or um, Islamophobia, sorry, I get those. Okay. That, 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 those, those are two terms I really don't want to mix up. Um, <laughs> yeah, although saying that, I don't want to be accused of either of them either. No. But um, how do you go about it? They've deliberately mm. merged the race with religion just to make it more of a difficult issue to tackle. Mm. Precisely, again, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because exactly, you know, Islam isn't a race to begin with. Uh um, there's there's the, the hundreds of races across the world, even minorities within minorities, which uh, you know conform to a certain type of Islam. But you mm. can't you can't kind of paint Islam as a racial game. So that's that's I mean that that's a non-starter. You don't you can always mm. say that you know this is a religion, this is a set of ideas, and it's just I think honestly I I mean this is my own personal opinion, but I do think in the UK in general we need to grow a bit more of a backbone. And stand up for the fact that we need to say, look, we're, we're absolutely, you know, because honestly, I personally believe that a lot of the times, um, minus all the terrorist activity, which already speaks volumes, but it is actually Muslims who suffer so much at the hands of Islam, um, more than anyone else, to be honest, especially the women. This is why I've decided to like speak out and kind of highlight what it, like, I'm, I'm trying to get this across that what does it actually offer you? What does this set of ideas offer you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that this is what you come up against. Like, you just, ha- I mean, I always say my own, everybody in my community, most of my family and friends are Muslim. 
that does not take away my respect or love or, you know, loyalty or anything for you. But there's certain problematic things here, whether you believe them or not, they exist um, as a codified text, which, which is what people can, let's say, if you don't think that ISIS and the Taliban are real Islam, but some people are using these these same words that you look at and see beautifully and they're using those same words to justify you know throwing a gaze off the highest buildings um or you know get depriving women of their education and those are things that it just becomes your like general duty to call out and it's it's kind of like i mean ricky gervais is really good at saying things like you know what you know what else are we going to take offense to now in this day and age like i don't believe in unif in unicorns is that going to be considered blasphemy in 2021 but yeah it is it is more just kind of separating the ideas from the people and I try not to isolate Muslims when I kind of want to reach out to those women. And I, I always have to give this disclaimer that this is not a personal attack on you. Um, I respect you human to human, but this is definitely problematic that some of these things that are here. And most of the time, they honestly agree <laughs> that these things can be taken and, you know, they, they can be very problematic. It's just they don't happen to subscribe to it. So they're in a nice little bubble. But we can all, we always have to call out the ideas for sure. So well, when, I'm going to leave you now, I'm afraid. Because, uh, and this is good because it's, uh, it saves me from revealing my unicornophobia. I'm actually ruled by several women in this house. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go and fetch one back from school. So I'm no, gonna... right, John, we'll see you very soon, mate. Yes. <laughs> okay. Keep up the Should matriarchy. So I, I, I have one question then for, for, for left for you, Naraya. Um, we mentioned that we do we are fortunate in a way to be living in the West. We do we are surrounded by moderate people that are moderate progressive Muslims. Um, you know, our own mayor of London is one. Mm. Um, you know, he's spoken out against misogyny. He's spoken out against violence against women. He's spoken out, and he's a big supporter of the LGBT community just as an, an example, and I'm not here to big him up in mm. any way, shape or form, but he is an example of a modern progressive Muslim. Mm. Um, what would you say to somebody like him or, you know, and I have, you know, not wanting to use the, I have friends, but I do have friends who are moderate progressive Muslims. And we don't talk about these, these things. We, we, we generally avoid them. But if it were to come up, what should I be saying to them? If I if if I should say anything at all, what should I be saying? This is this is a very um, touchy subject, you know, because I think I mean most of my family and the people I know as well operate in the sphere where they're moderate and progressive, and let's say even liberal, you know, and open to new ideas and tolerating uh, ideas which are different from theirs, and kind of just learning to coexist, and and that's beautiful. But what I always kind of I mean, just because I, I've gone through this phase myself and I realize, you know, when you read something and then you have your own beliefs, um, there is such a level of cognitive. My, my street is just, I don't know what's it's happening. It's going here. mental today, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. There's ambulance, police, fire, everything. Um, it's usually but yeah, my street. Um, so yeah, it's, there's such a, there's such a degree of cognitive dissonance at play. Um, and I, I honestly, sometimes it's not even through any fault of their own. They genuinely, um, a lot of people in like, for example, Sadiq Khan, I'd say he's pretty much the same generation, um, 
in terms of my parents, in terms of like his schooling and what, what you know, what age bracket he grew up in the UK. And a lot of these people have, again, they've been fed this sanitized version and the, the Islam itself, like the actual sources have just been on the shelf in their house as like some mystical, eternal, divine book uh, written in Arabic and you'll kind of never know the full meaning of it. So most of their religion comes down to just kind of the more ritualistic practices maybe the the celebrations that they have they don't know the nitty they wouldn't know the punishment let's say for you know fornication under sharia or you know the the actual uh, directive or let's say how the prophet captured one of his wives as a sex slave and consummated the marriage with her on you know a couple of days after you know killing her father and her brother and they don't know these things so it's kind of just kept away from them but i do think in this struggle to a normalized dissent and rid uh, some of the most darker ideologies within Islam of the world. It is these progressive Muslims who need to start confronting um, their own texts. So you, like, I mean, I what I my starting point is to go back to the Quran, which you know, no Muslim, no matter what sect you believe in, uh, can can shed doubt on the Quran itself. You you have to take that if you're a Muslim as you know the eternal word of God. So what I my starting point is usually the Quran itself. So the most problematic verses of the Quran itself, when it's saying you know marriage, it's discussing marriage to prepubescent girls, or it's saying that the sun sets in a muddy spring, or that you know Alex the Alexander romance where Alexander the Great was the first Muslim. Like you know, as an educated person, he was a polytheist. So why are you accepting this clear? Like do you not see a problem here? And if there's one contradiction, if if there's even one falsity, the whole thing comes crashing down because this is meant to be untampered, unchanged, timeless, eternal, and the, the exact directive of God. So I basically, what I do is I, I go to sources that are completely undisputable and I just show them, show it to them so that they can actually confront it. First and foremost, they can't kind of backtrack from it. But even if we're getting anywhere in, in terms of the initial conversation, it just plants that seed in their mind. And that's yeah. that's kind of all I'm trying to do is because once that seed is planted, it's very, it's very hard to, you know, uh, that's a good starting point, to be honest, whichever way you go. But I mean, I, 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 I remember reading, I think it was Ian CLE's book, her first book, mm -hmm. when she was talking about sticking it behind the shutters in her head these pieces of information came along and she, and she put it behind the shutters and at some point the shutters could not hold it back anymore and they burst yeah. open. And, and it's interesting. Some of the things that you've said about the Quran, there are direct corollaries in Christianity with some of the more, um, some of the more fundamentalist Christian believers who also believe the Bible in the same way that a lot of um, Muslims believe in the, in fact, I think they believe more in the book than they actually do the God itself. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the fact that more, a much more moderate form of Christianity um, has developed and has been prevalent in today's Western society. But even that is now starting to crumble because even, even, even with the most moderate forms of Christianity, um, you can only water something down so much before it becomes completely pointless. Irrelevant, yeah. Uh, true. And irrelevant, yeah. And and I think, you know, the process for that, you know, thankfully that we do have these moderate and progressive Muslims who, who have had a, a watering down of it. Um, and I'm sure that many of them are educated enough to know what is in there. I'm yeah. sure they do. I'm sure they do, but they might pass it off like many of the Christians do as, 
oh, that was then, that was the sign of the times. Yeah, Which I think doesn't... definitely figures like Mehdi Hassan, sorry, to Mehdi Hassan mm. and uh, Majid Nawaz are kind of, I, I believe they fully know what, what is mm. in there, but they're, mm. they're happy to stick to it, but they're also happy to kind of beat around the bush and give you a fluffy version. But when confronted, mm. they do know that's right, mm. yeah, what's mm. in there. Mm. See, this, this is one of the things that, that has always struck me is that we've got these books, I mean, the Quran, the Bible, you know, the... Tanak, you know, you've got all the Bhagavad Gita, the, yeah, the, the, the Vedas, Vedas. Sort of thing. Yeah. and and the the thing that's, that really strikes me, which I don't really understand how this could happen, is that we've got these books which are obviously a man-made. I mean, I'm, I normally say the Bible's human-made, um, man. but I think definitely really man, it's definitely man, man yeah. <laughs> um, and it's quite obviously a. Uh, a thing of its time so you know you've got seventh century islam you've got you know first second third century i say third century because of the nicene creed and all that sort of thing in christianity um the things that are written in those in those books the quran the bible uh are misogynistic they are man-made and they are of the time so how can that be the word of an omnipresent omniscient god how can that be because if god knows everything he would know exactly the position we'd be in in the 21st century exactly and it would be it would read as well now as it would ever have read mm -hmm. so just that mere fact that the bible the quran doesn't hit what we are in a 21st century by a long way shows that it's not written by god it's written by men human exactly. being mm. yeah so yeah. why are so we still it? <laughs> yeah why are we still following these these ancient outmoded concepts it can't be the word of god and if it can't be the word of god then it's then it, that all collapses everything i mean I'm, I'm going a little bit deeper than but then you've got then you've got then you've got organization i say organizations loosely like the taliban who said no, this is the perfect word of God. This is how we should be living. And we out in the West, in the with our 21st century sensibilities, are doing it wrong. And we are going to go back to how it should be. That's the that's one of the really scary things to me. That's terrifying. That's that's totalitarianism. That is that is. Mm. That and, is and what they and what they're saying is what we are we we are doing now in the 21st century is wrong. That's what they're saying. That is what they are saying. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I think we're going to be able to talk about this for you know, but yes, not just this I, subject, I think, but and the I subject. Nirai, have you frozen on us? I think Nirai's frozen on us. Yeah, that that's that's the wonderful world of the internet as usual. <laughs> Someone up there doesn't like us. Next day I've got. Uh, let's put that. On. Ah, Nirai, you're back. You're sorry back. about that <laughs> so no, we were just we were just saying we were talking about the fact that the fact obviously that these books don't reflect 21st century life um and i don't know when you cut out but we were talking about the taliban who are actually saying 21st century life is wrong because it doesn't reflect what's written in that book and that is yeah. the really really scary thing about that and there are and there are in in some parts of the world there are christians who say we need to get back to what it says in that book. And what we do now is decadent, is sinful. Um, it's not right how we live our lives. 
um, gender equality isn't right, um, sexual equality, sexually, sexual orientation equality is absolutely, definitely not right. And that is what they're saying because it's in these books. Now, I think globally, we are slowly winning the argument. We win the arguments on a regular basis. It's just yeah. a case of, it's just a case of um, where do we go from here? I mean, the, the last question, it's the question I always ask um, at the end of these conversations is, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Yeah, well, I think um, especially, especially this is like more detrimental in Islam for women. But, you know, just just like like, you know, you're both saying it's such a when you read this um, and then you have to attribute so much context and contextualize it, it just becomes so apparent that it's so uh, localized and kind of geocentric and. I mean, people who say that, like, oh, yeah, it talks about sex slavery because that was just the norm of the time. So, again, like, that flies in the face of it being eternal, right, and timeless. Um, if this is just kind of what happens there and then and that's not necessary anymore, even even to this day, for example, as as a woman in the 21st century, after the divorce, I had to stay in a in Islam. You have this three month waiting period called the iddat, which is um, just to make sure that you're not pregnant from your husband, and so that would change, you know, things in terms of maintenance payments and custody, and that would, you know, so you have to wait three months. Whereas in in this day and age, you can get a pregnancy test and know within a matter of weeks. You know, it's it's so early now the detection, um, oh. and God hadn't accounted for this, and He hadn't accounted for technological advancement and progress and um yeah so i think it, it is it's it's high time that like you said we are we are winning the argument just because what we are fighting for and saying is just equality across the board you know um secularism human rights these things which are just they should be the natural disposition disposition sorry of every human being um yeah. and it's and this is when where it's so important for people who who actually would be able to confront and get out of their comfort zone and see and acknowledge where it is that religion is holding them back or holding society back and whether you choose to believe it or not like it's not our job to you know get everybody away from their faith but just whatever you believe in behind closed doors but for the rest of society and for yourself you'd want mm -hmm. kind of one law to apply to everybody across the board if if you're try if you're you know a devout religious person your child turns out to be gay then they should you know they shouldn't be at the behest of you and your views they have a law to protect them they they have these kind of secular um implementations in place and i think that can only be good for humanity and i think specifically when it comes to islam when women start understanding what their worth is and they start questioning it i think that's a, a long way to towards islam kind of crumbling at a much quicker rate than if we were to just constantly you know uh, try and engage with these people who were refused and would just kind of give you a sweetened, uh, wrap it up in cotton wool and serve it to you like they do in the West because they can get away with it. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I hope that well, answers the question. I mean, we, we, you know, you're seeing a crumbling of of uh, Christianity as well and, and lots of other major religions around the world. Uh, listen, guys, we've got to leave it there. We've uh, we've hit our time. Uh, fantastic conversation today. Um, really, really interesting. And I guess we're going to be talking about this for uh, on other podcasts, uh, bringing this Ooh. up again and again and again. Uh, especially this 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 concept of as we move into the twenty first century, the place of religion in the twenty first century as we move into the future, which I think Ooh. would be a very very interesting conversation, which I'm looking forward to have. So, in the meantime, we'll see you in the next one. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. 
Uh, keep on forgetting to do that. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Comment in, like, share, subscribe. Yeah, we do answer all the comments and all that sort of thing. So uh, it's really it's worth putting your saying. And uh, we are starting to get more now. Yeah, and whether we're you agree with it or not, it's great. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. We want to know what you're going to what you're going to say. So subscribe to the channel and let your comments in, guys. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, thanks for joining us today, and don't forget to click that like button. Also, make a comment, and of course, subscribe to the channel. We'll see you next time.